Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name of our show says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have your marketing and business coaches and consultants. We have the folks who help others create their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you handle things yourself. If you're any of the above, one or more of the above, two or more of the above, three or more of the above, if you're any of the above, explore our episodes and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you win at the game of business and marketing. And make sure to subscribe because fresh content will be delivered to your iTunes every single Tuesday because our episodes are every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific if you want to tune in live. Today, we're going to celebrate. On Business Creators Radio Show, we have so many topical episodes. We'll teach you copywriting, social media, getting your book published. We have a finance track. We have a real estate track. We have so many different things we do here at the Business Creators Radio Show. We're what you call a big tent business creators podcast. And today, we're just going to celebrate. There's a story of... And I, when I heard about this, I knew I had to have this person on Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, she's somebody who's based in San Francisco. And I wanted to get deeper into the story of how she was able to create a booming online business. And she's just 21 years old. That is the part I really love. Uh, how she's been able to come so far so quickly. And I want to share this with you today. So I'm going to introduce to you Emily Hirsch of emilyhirsch.com. And just to tell you about Emily, she's been featured on uh, the TV station KTVU and in the Huffington Post. And there's a fireball of knowledge, as you'll see. Depending on how long you want to do uh, that struggle until you achieve business success, you can do it the hard way. You can go through all the steps in order, or you can discover what Emily's going to share with us today. So, Emily, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And what I'd love to do here, thank you very much, and what I'd love to do here is I'd love to just ask you uh, just for a moment, tell us a little bit more about your journey and what has led you to the intersection of your brilliance and passion with your success so early on. Yeah, so I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I started my first business when I was 15 in high school. Um, it was a local business. I worked at, I started in an elderly community, passed out flyers and helped them with various household tasks. That's how I bought my first car in high school. So I've always had that drive. Um, you know, I went on and I went to college um, and I then started a business with my husband. Um, he teaches online kettlebell training and I just kind of got thrown into the online world. He does the content and he said, you know, I'll give you great content and let's do something with this. And so it was kind of my job to figure out everything from the marketing to the back end technical stuff, implementation, 
And I just kind of threw myself into it. I met some amazing people and I realized how much I love doing it. Um, and over time, just started taking on clients that way. And that's really how I started um, working in the online world, which was two years ago, almost that we started our business. It'll be two years in August. Um, and I almost immediately, like within a couple of months, started taking clients on and have just grown it and grown it from there. Right. And let me just be clear. I, did I get that right? That at least as of airtime, you're only 21 years old? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> wow. When I, was, when I was 21 years old, I was in college. I graduated from college right after I turned 22. And I was a political science major at Penn State because I thought I was headed to law school. That was the trajectory I was on at the time. Uh, I used to pull the all-nighters and do all the last-minute work to get the term papers in. I did get really good grades in my major, but I'm going to tell you where the intersection of my brilliance and passion was. This was the late 1990s, back when we used to still stand in line and wait for computer labs to open up where you had basically every single person at the university trying to get into the PC lab where there were seven machines that were actually working. And that one person sitting alone in the Mac lab where we had 75 computers that were working. This is back when the operating systems were just so different that it was like speaking two different languages and a lot of people just learned on PCs. Today, it's you know, not interchangeable, but if you can do one, you can do the other. But I'm just setting kind of a mind frame for people who may be of similar age to me who remember this. And I used to go in, a, right. in that computer lab, and I would look at very early primitive websites that sold competition auto sound products. Yes, folks, I had a system. I built it myself. I paid for it myself. And by the time I got that thing installed, after two years of scrimping, saving, and getting all my stuff together, and the week that I, that I took my car apart and put it in and put the car back together again, basically, that thing was worth twice as much as my Camaro. Uh, free back massages, what can I say? I mean, <laughs> so uh, that's, right. that's, set the, that's just to set the frame. That's what I was doing when I was 21. And even then, the entrepreneurial <laughs> bug was kind of itching at me. But no, I'm on this path. I went to college for this thing. I'm supposed to follow it through. And this is really your show, so I'm not going to belabor the whole story. But the fact is, I decided on my own not to go to law school. And I kind of drifted around, basically, for two years, got my MBA, uh, dealt with a job while I had an MBA, and then jumped into the entrepreneurial world. And it's been an evolution since then. But when I declared my independence of the corporate world, I was going on 29. Here you are eight years younger, having already done it, and have a business at home. Uh, there is one question that yep. we need to ask you before we dive into this, because I am dying to find out how you did this. And I think even though it's going to be kind of a narrative story, there are going to be so many little morsels of brilliance for our listeners. And the question is, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide, do the drum roll, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that any of our guest experts say they need to, except for time and money. This is a question we ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, and what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. So, Emily, how do time and money impact what you are going to share with us today? Um, time is a huge one because I am a mom as well, um, 
you know, and juggled now two businesses. So that's something I talk to people all the time about is how they're using their time. And I think learning to delegate and learning to stay in your zone of genius is so important when you're an entrepreneur because it's it can be – I talk to people all the time who are so overwhelmed um, with – everything they have to do and they can't do it all. And it's a lot of things, you know, would take somebody else five hours to do and you 15 or, you know, a lot less. So being able to figure out what you are great at, um, centering your business around that and then building the support around you um, to be able to grow is so important, especially as you scale your business and you get bigger. It's been a huge lesson for me in the last three to six months and I'm trying to get help and support in every way possible so that I can stay in my zone of genius and not, um, you know, take away time from my son or with my husband. Um, In terms of money, I think it's really important to make smart investments. Um, I think I see a lot of times people who say, I want to have a million dollar launch or, you know, a six figure launch. Okay. How much money are you willing to put into advertising and setting this up? And, you know, they have small, $200, $300 is what I can start with. And that's not possible. Um, So you have to, not necessarily do you have to put in a lot of money up front to be an entrepreneur, but if you want a million dollar launch or a big launch, you're going to have to invest money smartly and probably how you're going to do it is hiring people who are not in your zone of genius and can support you in the way that you can't really do in your business pretty standard stuff folks you've heard this a hundred times and what it tells you is the tried and true works the tried and true works you don't have to reinvent any wheels if emily can figure this out by the time she's 21 years old you can do it and as far as launches i'm just going to say one thing i'm going to say one thing about launches Most of your launches are not million-dollar launches. Most are not $100,000 launches. Most are not $10,000 launches. I've had $500 launches that were massive successes. I've had launches that didn't even have money involved that were off-the-chart home runs. It's all relative. It's all relative, and you have to bear that in mind. Even Jeff Walker, the creator of Product Launch Formula, his very first launch, and I may screw up on the numbers a little bit, but I am getting the story right. His first launch was to 19 people, and one of them was was his wife. Another one was his other email address. So, I mean, uh, and he made enough (laughs) off that one launch that paying the mortgage was suddenly no longer a problem. So start where you are and make it happen, and you can cover a lot of ground pretty quickly. Now, Emily, you are only 21. I keep saying that. uh, It makes me long for my (laughs) younger days because that was going on 19 years ago, and you've achieved so much. So what drives you? It's really just built in me, honestly. I mean, like I said, I've been an entrepreneur. My first real business was 15. Before that, I was washing cars for my parents, you know, always trying to make money to be productive. Um, I probably like accomplish three times more than the average person in a day. And it's just in my blood to just get up and go. And that's how I, that's just how I live. My dad is very similar. And I think I love the challenge. I love um, accomplishing new things, getting to the next level. And that's really what drives me is just that a constant of challenging myself like where can I take this next right I think that I think that's great um 
I just got to ask, because uh, we've covered this on our show as well. Do you, is there any, like, um, supplementary routine? Like, uh, you know, because I take uh, supplements to accentuate my brain function, my energy, and keep my appetite where I want it so I can focus for long periods of time. Do you do anything like that? I don't honestly take supplements. Not that I'm um, opposed to looking at those down, you know, if I needed them. I have recently um, invested in ordering healthy pre-made meals because Uh I would get on a habit where I would work for long, long periods of time and skip lunch or something. And so that's been something really huge for me um, is getting those delivered weekly. I get paleo meals delivered to my house and that that's been really helpful. Yeah. I, and I wanted to point that out too, that, uh, that's another form of outsourcing. We talk about, let's build a team to take care of our customers. What about your team to take care of your life? Exactly. I think about that too. Yeah. I I have have somebody who, yeah. Yeah. We have somebody somebody who comes in my house and helps with laundry and dishes, um, that type of stuff as well. So that's exactly what I mean by, you know, staying in Arizona genius and outsourcing and you kind of have to look at it as like when you own your business, your whole life can be arranged so that you're able to work on it at exactly enough time. And everybody in your life is supporting you in that from your house to yourself to your actual business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially, you know, you, you're, you're a young entrepreneur, you know, you're married, you have a, you have a young child. Uh, so you have a lot of demands on your time. All of that, that said, I mean, mm-hmm. being only 21, I imagine that uh, you guys aren't exactly like a longtime married couple that's rocking on the porch. All right. <laughs> no, we're chasing our one-year-old around. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you answered my follow-up question, too. So time is a premium for you right now. Uh, however, yeah. there's another thing that could be pulling at that. Uh, maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't, but... You went through a journey very similar to the one I went through on my way to success. Uh, so can you share some of the lessons that you've learned about being a people pleaser and how you've learned to, like Grumpy Cat, say no to things and people that do not serve Yeah. You? Yeah, and it, I mean, that's still still a struggle for me, still something I work on, um, especially working, you know, one-on-one with clients. You really strive to, to make them happy, to be perfect, and I really learned all the different types of personalities that I've worked with and people that you have to just stick to your core um, boundaries. And really the biggest thing for me has been to set those up front. So I have a time of day that I'm usually with my son and I've learned the hard way that unless I really enforce that with clients um, or people that, you know, I'm not able to answer my phone within 20 minutes during this time, you know, I'm gone, I'm offline has been really huge because I will all the time have people try to push that boundary, um, you know, urgently need me to do something. And if I kind of give in to that every once in a while, you know, it just gets pushed more and more. Um, Uh So that's one way really is just keeping the boundaries has been the biggest thing and really setting those. I find too that when you do that, people actually respect you more um, when you keep those boundaries, even though, you know, for me, it's been like I'm sometimes in someone's business. I'm their everything when I'm supporting them in a lot of their back end stuff, their marketing. But to me, they're one of many clients. So they don't see that, you know, so it's really putting yourself in their perspective of what they are experiencing and making sure they feel assured, but also knowing that you don't have a two hour turnaround time. And I think um, with all of the technology just at our fingertips all the time, you know, it used to be that you go to the office and you leave the office and that's it. You're not available. Right. But now, People can respond to emails all the time 
and really break those boundaries of family time or time for yourself. Um, so keeping those has been something that I maybe let down in the beginning and have work to build back up and set those ex expectations with new clients. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, boundaries can be a big deal. Uh, what I train people is as follows. The idea of an urgent email is a very cute oxymoron. It's like, oh, you put the word urgent in the subject line and you held down the cap <laughs> and you held down the shift key while you did it. So it's all caps. Look at you. If you're close enough to me that your emergencies can affect me, you pick up the phone. You look for me on Skype. Mm -hmm. You're at the level where you have my Skype, which not many people get. You got to be at a level to get my Skype. That's number one. Right. And if you don't, have that access, then might want to upgrade. But there was back in the day right. where I used to have 40 or 50 some clients that I handled um, all myself for a while. It was crazy. And it would, it would just be nuts. Like I couldn't get two minutes right. to myself. I mean, I didn't have a wife and I didn't have a little kid. Uh, and I say, thank goodness for that. You know, just given the circumstances, because I was running all day long. I, I'm, I'm specifically remembered that uh, for a while we had a role that I could not be reached by telephone or email on Wednesdays. And the reason for that is because on a Wednesday afternoon I was trying to get some stuff done and my phone literally just would not stop ringing. And almost every <laughs> single thing that was ringing through my phone is something that the people knew they should have been going through my assistant for anyway. Right. I mean, it was here. It would just ring nonstop. And the whole time I was on the other line, another call would start coming in. It's like they had a meeting of, let's all get at them on Wednesday. <laughs> and, yeah. And, 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 when you're, and when you're struggling for time and money, that can be a real challenge because, you know, time, you don't have a lot of time, so you're struggling to get it done. And money's still a factor. So if you don't show a great deal of flexibility to that, you may worry the money may not come. Now, for listeners who are on the Business Creators Radio Show here, Emily, who want to be successful and create a successful life and business, what advice do you have for them if they don't want to go to college? That's a big issue these day and age because there's a different perception about the value of college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really am um, supportive of, of people who, to me, now today, college is for people who maybe don't know how to teach themselves or learn on their own. Um, I right. think there's so much information available at your fingertips online. Like everything I learned from my business was self-taught. I didn't learn it in college. I got my associate's degree and then my business took off. And I said, I'll go back to college someday if I decide I want to, to learn something, but I'm not going to go just to get a degree. Right. Um, just to finish that. And I had two more years just to finish that. You know, there was no point. I'm making six figures. I need to put my time in my business right now. Um, I think if you, you know, you can teach yourself so much online that you don't need to go to college. And that doesn't mean that you can just hope that you can go get a job online and it's going to come easy to you by any means. Um, you know, you probably have to put in the same amount of work that you would if you were at college, but learning and putting yourself out there and really working hard, but you don't need to be in student loan debt. That's a huge one today. Um, how many people are getting into so much debt? I don't think is that necessary anymore because, like I said, there's so much information that wasn't available to people even 15 years ago online the way it is now. Right. 
So, okay, so can we break the rules here? Are we rule breakers? Yeah, Are we breaking the rules? Because I want to break a rule right now, and I want to <laughs> go off the script for just a minute. Uh, based on what you just said, I was hoping you could settle something for me. Uh, you have had a lot of success getting your business together. And uh, uh-huh. you got your family, you got your business, you're working out of the home, with the one-year-old, the husband, everything's great. Uh, I was hanging out at the cigar shop recently with a couple of uh, a couple of other entrepreneurs uh, who I see down there, and we were talking about all the times we go out into the parking lot. And this is in an upscale part of Las Vegas. This is not uh, this is not uh, you know the uh, the shooting gallery. Uh, this is like Summerlin. I mean, this is kind of upscale. And we go out in the parking lot right. and we're c- constantly hounded by people who quote unquote need a dollar for the bus. But they're dressed better right. than me. Or the first, or the one lady who drove up and stopped in front of me. She's driving like a $40,000 SUV, and she's begging for a dollar because she's literally going to be out of gas. And, uh, and it's like, isn't even going to make it across the street to the gas station you could see from there unless I gave her a dollar. And I gave her the dollar because I thought she might go nuts and run me over. I don't know. But... To people who find themselves begging for dollars, what do you have to say to them? Well, I, honestly, I've always thought, you know, every circumstance is different, so it's right. hard. But, you know, if you, you can go and do something productive and put yourself to work if and spend the time that you're standing begging for a dollar. Um, at, you know, at the same time, there's, there's so, there is so many jobs out there, and you need to just find – a problem that somebody is having and, uh, you know, that you can apply your skill to and solve it. And it's really like, you can do that. And it, I think it's a mentality. Um, I think it's, it's to be an entrepreneur, you have to have confidence. I have friends who just are not meant to be entrepreneurs. They don't want the responsibility. You know, they don't yep. want to be, they don't want to be that. They just would rather work under somebody and that's fine. I think, you know, our economy and our society needs those people too. Those are right. important people too. Um, but I think it's in terms of people who stand around and ask for a dollar, you know, why, why would we give them a dollar? You know, we're working hard. They have every capability. I feel like people have as much resources and capabilities as I had to build my business. Or if I wasn't building my business, you know, I would be going and finding a job, whatever it is. Uh, for example, let's say you found yourself and you need, uh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make up a scenario. You need three hundred dollars right now. Again, because I want to. Yeah, you are asking me. Yeah, I'm saying. Let's say you needed three hundred dollars. Like I mean, and you need it right now. What would you do? And I want our listeners to hear this question and your answer to it, because I want them to know that if they find themselves like three hundred dollars short of their paying their bills and it's been a slow month, they can uh-huh. meet. They can break even. Uh, so. $300, you need it right, I mean, you need it by 5 o'clock. What are you going to do? Personally, I probably, the first thing I think of is what can I sell that I really don't need and haven't used in a long time. Right. That maybe would be my first thing, you know, what could I sell? Um, second, I would probably get on Craigslist and look at what gigs were there. I Before I did this, I was a long time ago, <laughs> was a nanny, and, and I found gigs on Craigslist. So look what people are asking. What do they need help for? Maybe somebody needs 100 bucks to go and take take something to the dump or 
move some furniture that day, help them move. You don't know what, you know, that's what I would do. Look online on Craigslist or sell something. If I needed $300 that day, that'd be my personal solution. Look on Craigslist and, you know, the gigs on Fiverr, those aren't all $5 gigs. Uh, they changed that language a couple right, years ago. They start at $5. I mean, it hasn't been $5 yeah. for a couple of years now. I mean, you can go on Fiverr and you can potentially pick up a project worth hundreds of dollars for the asking. And some of the stuff that you can do for yeah. five bucks on Fiverr, it's just ridiculous stuff. Like uh, somebody can pay you to call their husband to say that you're running late. Or it can be, <laughs> some, or it can be something like uh, uh, you know, checking in with the pharmacy to see if, you're, if your cat's cold medicine is in yet. I mean, it can be little stuff like right. that. There are also personal assistant jobs. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs, uh, and I know some entrepreneurs like this, when they travel to a seminar, they travel to a conference, they're going to be in a city for a few days, they'll hire an assistant locally just to take care of their stuff. Like, you know, make sure their room yeah. set up, run their errands, uh, make sure they have, uh, make sure that, you know, like, you know, like plan all their meals so they know what restaurant they're showing up and what they're supposed to be doing and just generally be there to field all the, you know, the balls they have in the air. Uh, they're trying to juggle. Right. I mean, there's so many things you can do. Uh, and by the way, Emily, yeah. what exactly do you do? I mean, we introduced your, your website, emilyhirsch.com, but uh, somebody navigates uh -huh. there, where are they going to find um, so I do marketing, so Facebook ads, and a lot of um, implementation and sales funnels for, for all online entrepreneurs. I primarily work with coaches, but right. um, it really varies who I work with. I actually, so I started my business really just being a virtual assistant. That was my first job. That was the clients I took on. And um, I learned everything. I didn't say no to any opportunity and I just took it and I learned that platform. So within about a year, I knew everything from Infusionsoft to Entreport, ClickFunnels, Aweber, MailChimp, like I knew them all. So and then I was like extremely valuable and sought after quickly. Um, and I began to grow a team of people because I got to a point where I couldn't continue to grow my business anymore, just myself. Um, yeah. and now I've moved more and more and I do this, I do a lot of strategy. So somebody comes to me and they have a launch coming up or they want to launch an ongoing membership site or a project or a product or something. We put together a sales funnel of how we would take the cold lead and turn them into a customer or a client through a lead magnet, um, and then to the sales page. So I do everything from the strategy to the implementation. So actually building the sales page and the opt-in page, helping them with their opt-in, um, the Facebook ads, the design of the Facebook ads, the copy, the strategy. I have a whole team supporting me. Um, I'm all about being, taking what somebody needs and, and being that zone of genius for them. So I have people, you know, like my designer, I'm not a designer. So I, I hire out a designer to do that for me so that a client can come to me and I can be that one kind of stop shop for them um, to get the strategy and everything that they may need. And it's just taken care of because it, so overwhelming, um, all those pieces to people. Yeah, uh, just wanted to you know, make, make sure that everybody heard all that because that, that's very important. Uh, now, tell us about something that is very near and dear to you, which is the power of being able to work from home and watch your child grow up. Talk about yeah. time and money. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I, so when I actually got pregnant, um, that was really when I decided at the time I was still working as a nanny 
um, part-time. And my husband and I were just, my, my son is one. So we had just started our online business like three months before that. And it was obviously not making money or anything, you know? So, um, but when I got pregnant, I knew I wasn't going to continue and, and go to work that I was going to work from home. And honestly, um, I didn't know my business was going to get so big. I really didn't know. And it was going to be that my husband was going to be working more than me, but I realized how much I, I liked doing what I did. And so we've worked it out to where I have more time than I was expecting to be able to work, but I can be with him like every day I'm there to put him down for a snap. Um, we have an afternoon together every single day, you know, and that I knew when I got pregnant, I was not going to put my kid in daycare and I would rather be so poor and have nothing than leave my baby all day for eight hours. So it's extremely important to me that I am able to do that. Yeah, what did uh, Harry S. Truman say about that old saying about being president? You know, I'd rather be right than be president. He said, why not be both? So you're making a right. choice between being poor and staying home with your kid versus having money but having to put your child in daycare. And you decided, well, I'm not. it's not either or, it's and. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's and. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely it's and. Uh Especially these days, people spend so much time on Facebook and social media. I don't even want to talk about what they're doing. But you know, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Even, even as we're on the air, there's some history being made, uh, even right now, that people have been waiting for for a long time. Uh, what tips do you have for your clients on how to grow a brand and build a business using social media correctly. Yeah. Um, well, I think that the biggest thing on social media today is to really be authentic and real. Um, I see a lot of businesses and people get caught up in the need to be posting a certain amount of posts every day because, you know, they think it will help. They need to do this. And, it's more important that you are authentic and you stand out and you have personal posts on there and you're not like a, a robot, a machine scheduling posts that go out at the same time every day. And even if it means there's going to be less posts. Um, so like organic traffic on, on, on social media, Facebook and Instagram is very low. Um, so if you are doing tons of posts on your page, chances are people actually won't even see it. Very many people won't see it. So I think that live video is a huge way to connect with people and it's growing and growing, um, becoming more and more popular. So if you can do that, you know, I know it makes people uncomfortable, but really pushing yourself to do that and it makes you uncomfortable at the place for growth um, is, is huge. And then really figuring out what makes you different from the other people that are doing what you do and how can you stand out? How can you connect with your target audience on online? And that's really the key is connecting with people on that emotional level. Right. Uh, what are some of the mistakes you see? Um, well, mistakes I see is probably doing really getting stressed out about how many times they post and what they post and, and turning it almost into a, a robotic move of social media and it's really not meant to be that way social media is meant to be connecting with people so um i see people who actually come to me often and i help people with social media and you know want me to post a certain amount of posts every day and and are wanting to invest you know a lot of money in that and um my my advice to those people is really 
evaluate, yes, you should have an active social media and connecting to people, um, but also think outside the box a little. Some great ways to connect with people on social media, but maybe not the standard way of posting on your page is Facebook groups are excellent um, for connecting with people and, and are really getting bigger and bigger. Um, so if you have a business, even starting a Facebook group where you could have a community of people and really building that community is, is great. Facebook ads, even though they're paid, um, they're great for connecting on social media. And, and then you can just kind of have regular posts on your page, but not put all of your time and energy into doing that. I think people think of social media and that's immediately what they think of and what they work on. But there's there's many ways to also build the connections and really like I can't emphasize enough having connections at that personal level and connecting with people on that emotional level um, rather than just posting the post. You know, you may as well not even post if you're going to do that. Yeah, uh, very, very, very true. Uh, and, you know, and I, and I see that there's a big obsession, in my opinion, with how many likes do we get and how many comments do we get? It's like, well, if this post got seven comments and this post got eight comments, well, we need to do analysis and find out why this one got one more like or one more comment. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and you're, you run into that sometimes. And, uh, and I, I believe in tracking. I believe in analytics. I believe in knowing that you're allocating your time and your money properly to get a result. But holy moly, uh, you know, clicks and likes and comments, those aren't conversations. That's not relationship building. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you really have to look overall return on investment, too. I mean, maybe there's a post or a Facebook ad that's costing you a little bit more, a post that's not getting as much engagement, but it's actually making you money and people are going to sign up for your lead magnet. I've often found posts that you're actually putting a call to action where you want somebody to go and sign up for something, get less engagement on Facebook because people are clicking it to go and take action and do it. And so if you're not looking at that whole picture, you might miss that piece. So yeah, if you're doing a blog post and what you want them to do is you want them to like it, you want them to comment, you want it to share it because you want it to take on a certain virality or uh, a certain sense of community. But the, most of what the blog post is about is come to the event, buy the product, what have you. You're saying they're less likely to comment. Yeah, I definitely find with lead magnets that you're less likely to get comments. If you're telling someone to go opt in, um, that's the action they're going to go take. Usually people aren't going to take multiple actions on a post. They're not going to like, comment, share, click it, and sign up for something. Right. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so aside from staying away, I mean, we can't always like not make an offer because sometimes to not make an offer is an insult, just depending on what your content is. But in terms of not just making offer after offer after offer, so your blog posts feel like uh, sales letters. I mean, that, you know, now we're going to go into some actual tactics that our listeners can can take down because we we have a little extra bit of time here. Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that we get good use out of it. Some things they can be doing right now to emulate some of your success. What are some things you can do to get more comments and likes on social media and more comments and shares on your blog posts? Because those can lead to relationships and lead to clients. Right, right. Well, um, I find that some some graphics do great. So, for example, if you write a blog post, um, you can repurpose that into four or five different posts on social media easily by creating 
some images, some graphics to go with it, posting those. Um, and then each time, obviously, linking back to your blog post. And each time you do that, the chances are that different people will see it because of the way the Facebook algorithm works. So you definitely want to post um, a blog post multiple times when you release it um, in different ways that's engaging to people. So that's one way to get great likes and, and engagement on your actual blog post. In terms of getting engagement on your Facebook post, um, it really does still come down to that, that the Facebook post itself needs to connect with people, be personal and thought out and um, connect with them that it stands out in their newsfeed. Um, if, it, if it becomes like a boring post to them or a, the same thing they're seeing every day, then people aren't going to really even start to pay attention to it. You know, grab their attention. They're scrolling the newsfeed. There's so many things that they could be looking at in the newsfeed that could be grabbing their attention. So yours really has to stand out. Um, and then, you know, try different things. Maybe a short post with one sentence does well for your audience. Maybe a post with a whole you know, paragraph, a story is doing well for your audience, or maybe they like images, you know, it really depends on what they like. And so try those different things. That's right. I, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more uh, in terms of some of those strategies. And what I want to point out is sometimes that one sentence blog post can make a big difference. Depends on what that one sentence is. Sometimes that blog post is right. simply a meme picture uh, that, that in itself can right. be, very powerful. Sometimes it can be a functional post with right. like a how-to, uh, maybe it's a recipe or a set of instructions. Sometimes it's inspirational right. and sometimes it's meant to elicit the pain points uh, to make people feel the pain so that you can take the pain away by coming around with a solution. There's, I've also seen blog posts used to do polling. A uh, couple of my clients in the past have, been, have had a lot of success with doing a blog post like Hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about releasing one of these two new courses. Uh, this, you know, course A is going to have this, and course B is going to have that. So what I'd like you to do is right. take my non-scientific poll where you just leave a comment and tell me what you think. Yep. Yeah, people love to have an opinion and love to be able to put in their their own opinion about something for sure. That's why also on Facebook ads, quizzes right now do really well. What about uh, – being positive versus being negative. That's another hot topic. I have found mm -hmm. myself, I, I mean, I am Mr. Positivity. I mean, I'm Mr. Mr. Positivity. Mm -hmm. I'm Mr. Uniting America. Um, all about, if you have something to say, you make the best possible positive case. You don't argue. You set the example. Yeah. I'm all about that. Uh, but I found that sometimes when I gripe about things, like uh, something about the state of the industry, I mean, you know, I'm not going to attack a person or a company or anything, but I gripe about something mm -hmm. thinking, you know, you know we, we can do better. And you know, I, I, I give a little bit of what the solution could be. Those tend to pick up a lot of engagements, especially on Facebook. Yeah. Well, I think that those maybe pick up engagement because people are able to insert their opinion there. Right. Um, that maybe is why. But I, in terms of positive versus negative, like when I test Facebook ads and various social media um, posts or whatever it is, positive usually actually does better. So if it's a positive image on Facebook ad versus a negative, the positive will usually convert better because people subconsciously do want to see positive attached to the brand. They don't want to see negative. Um, but I think if they can insert their opinion, I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated this and this happened then they're able to be like, oh, yeah, that happened to me too, or whatever, you know, and that maybe is why those posts for you are get some more engagement for the same reason that polls do well, as people like to be able to be heard. 
I know exactly what you I know exactly what you mean. And you know, and if it's something that kind of taps a nerve, for instance, I did a post once on uh, on Facebook that I actually cross posted to a blog that I had up at the time. It's not up now because I don't market that way anymore for that particular topic. But the but the post was me saying that I did I you know that I don't think it's right for people to tell me when I when I speak and I and I share my thoughts and I give elocutions and uh, and while I attempt and endeavor to keep things as pithy as possible, uh, I can't help but sometimes use some of those bigger words. I don't think it's appropriate for mm-hmm. you to say to me. Stop using big words. Talk like a normal person because I feel that that is leveling down and I'm doing them a disservice rather than reaching, you know, than reaching out and saying, hey, let's rise up together. Let's get a thesaurus. Let's, let's, right. let's move up together. And I got a conversation right. going on that that went for three days and, you know, cost me a family member, but oh, well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. That is something, but that's a topic that people don't get asked about very often. But when somebody brings right. it up, uh, well, you know, a lot of people got a story. It's like they're dying to tell the story. And I think this is where we're going, Emily, and I want you to confirm this for me because you're the subject matter expert. They're dying to tell the story, but they need somebody else to say it first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And you, you see, too, where somebody – one person does speak out or say something and then it's kind of like a domino effect from there that other people were just waiting for that to have that validation. Right. Um, I, uh, I suffer as the case may be from a condition known as misophonia. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. Okay. I'm going to give you a very colloquial definition. Um, if somebody is, somebody is chewing in your presence and they make noise, and you just want to oh, punch them between. Yes, yes. You just want to punch them between the eyes. Yes. <laughs> That's misophonia, yes. basically. Uh, they say that people of more creative, uh, creative intellects tend to be affected by it because it interrupts that conversation that's going on in their brain. Right. But yeah, yep. yeah. And, but when I yeah, every so often I bring up misophonia is real, and I'll post a picture of a bear holding his ears or something like that. And because I said it first, other people will jump in. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's brainstorm here. What are a couple other things that our audience could possibly use that uh, along the nature of, and, and guys take notes on this, uh, where everybody wants to say it, but they need somebody else to say it first. Um, something that comes to me that I think, you know, is, is important is, if you are an entrepreneur and you know you have a hard day or you're overwhelmed or, you know, you've overextended yourself, those are all things that everyone goes through but doesn't necessarily share about. And I know that whenever I see that in my newsfeed of somebody who, you know, is, is exhausted or is, is really hustling hard and, and not maybe, you know, frustrated that day, you know, it's every day is a new day and, and that's kind of like the roller coaster of, of owning a business, I always feel connected myself to those of like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, some days I'm really tired and I don't think, I think people do get in that of like posting the highlight reel of their life, of their business. You know, I even probably do that. You know, why would you post when you have a bad day, you're not motivated to share that. So I think that people 
that I've seen in my own newsfeed and, and personally felt connected to is when people share kind of that I'm human type of experience. Right. And for something like that, you know, we, and you said it yourself, uh, we're comparing our cutting room floor to everybody else's highlight reel. So naturally, we're never going to measure up and we're going to wonder, how do they do it so easily? How are they so energetic and chipper and they're closing all these big deals and making all the money? It's because they're not out there on Facebook right. saying, Dagnamit, I send that person an agreement and they balked at the last minute. Or, son of a gun, right. son of a gun, <laughs> just when I was ready to launch, my WordPress site got hacked. Get God! They don't post right. that stuff. They post. <laughs> right, right. They, 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 they post, Look at me on my sailboat. Just did a seventy. Right. Just did a seven hundred and twenty-three thousand dollar launch. Want to learn how? Put your name and email address below. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a yeah, face, I have a exactly. face for radio, so I won't show my face. But I bet you I might have even been funny when I did that. Because my cat, my cat certainly <laughs> give me a funny look right now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think to add to that, I also see a lot of people with, um, you know, posting how much money maybe their launch made or their income is, but not really sharing with you what their expenses are. And I think that's really important to see both sides. You know, people might might have a, a million dollar launch, but how much money did they spend in advertising and and all that? You know, that's important to see. Or some, you know, I, I see this so much with like coaches of posting so I made twenty thousand dollars today. It's like, well, how how much is that spread out? Is that a twenty thousand dollar contract, or you know, it's like you don't see the whole picture. So I think that's important to remember too. And, and a right. lot of that's going on right now. With I think is with coaches and people is is really embellishing that how much they make, but you don't know the whole picture of every launch and, and the back end of every business. Or I made twenty thousand dollars today. How do you know they hadn't had a three month dry spell and that twenty thousand dollars was keeping them from getting kicked out? Right. Yeah, you don't you don't know you don't know that either. A uh, friend of mine, yeah, uh, friend of mine loves to do funny things just to rock the boat here a little bit. One thing he likes to do is he likes to find people who share clickbait blog posts on social media, and he positions himself mm -hmm. as the save you a click guy. So he'll comment, so he'll click on it himself, he'll read and he'll find with the, the big secret that has, uh, who, who am I going to say, uh, give, me, give me a name of somebody famous. Like an entrepreneur? Entrepreneur, politi Tony entrepreneur, politician, cat, I don't care, give me somebody. Okay, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, okay. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so investigators deal shocking blow to claims of those who got burned by hot coals. Tony Robbins grinning <laughs> ear to ear. And then you find out the shocking blow when you, when you click on it is, well, yeah, if they'd have been walking faster, they wouldn't have got burned. That's yeah, a shocking blow. As some, as, yeah, as somebody, as somebody who knows how to walk on coals, expose the big secret. Don't stop and take selfies. So he'll be the save you a click guy, and he'll say, save you a click. They said keep walking when you're on the coals. So he'll, do, he'll, do, he'll do something That's like funny. that, which is great. And, and even I've experimented with that a little bit, and sometimes people think it's funny. One time somebody was pretty upset with me, but eh, you know, I'm not out to win votes. Yeah, to change probably lives. a person goes right. <laughs> yeah, so that, so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so, there's, so there's, there's that. Um, and uh, – 
and you know, there's there's other things you can do just to you know just to be entertaining that way. Uh, you know, I have found incredibly, to me anyway, you know how they say don't spend all your time on the internet looking at cats. My cats, yeah. my cats work for me. My my cats are are revenue centers, aren't you? Aren't you there, Princess Alessandra? Yes, you are. And that's another. And that's another. That's another thing too. Uh, they say when you're hosting podcasts or webinars, or whatever, you got to put the cats in the other room. Uh, two things. Number one, my cats don't go in the other room. They've made that clear when I tried. And number two, if they, if I can't put them in the other room, then I'm just make them part of the brand. They're my personal assistants. Yes, they will photobomb yep. my hangouts. Yes, you will hear them meowing and purring and scratching from time to time. Like you may in the background hear Alessandra because she just jumped off my desk and ran out the door. <laughs> So, so so things like that and you show a little bit of your own personality and that's one of the things that drew me to you is you do have so much of a personality and so much of a story and some of our listeners may be looking back here we're you know we're almost at the top of the hour already we're uh, almost 50 minutes into this getting ready to uh, wrap things up here in a few maybe maybe thinking you know, Emily only gave us a few things that are revolutionary and a few things to try. But that's the whole point. You don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. You find the wheel that turns and you get one for yourself. Right. And you don't, exactly, and you yeah. Don't, and you don't know the answers to all the questions, but you know that you can go out there and find out what works. Right. And a lot of it, too, is, is you keep trying until you find something that does. I mean, how many... But, you know, small launches, like you mentioned Jeff Walker in the beginning, did he have until he had a huge one? Right. Um, you know, how much does it take to really get there? You you have to keep that, you know, keep going. And that's really a huge part of being an entrepreneur and being a business owner is just, you just don't give up. There's going to be probably more fails and frustrations than there is going to be success, but there's only takes one time to have something that, you know, perfectly comes together in a sales funnel that converts great for you. Uh, uh, here's why I was mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the million dollar launches. And sometimes people say, Hey, I uh-huh. had, a, I had a really successful launch. We had 10 spots available and I had to open five extra spots cause we got so many orders, but what they don't always right. tell you is that although they did all the emails and the sideways sales letters and the sales pages and the shopping carts and the membership sites and everything else, they didn't get one order online. But they filled that program by working the phones. But let me share a secret with you. And I have had clients that have done this very successfully. Uh, all of the people in their tribe, all of the people in their audience who were their likely customers or their previous customers who were wanting to come back were on their mailing list. So what would happen is we would go through the, the sequence of the launch and so my client goes out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they go to, uh, they go to the gym, uh, they go to the networking meeting, the meetup group, uh, they, you know, some of them are friends and they just like to hang out. And because all these people are on the mailing list, they said to my clients, like, it's like, Hey, uh, I get your emails and you're doing this new program. Why didn't you tell me? And so now right. it becomes a question of, I can't believe you wouldn't tell me this. Of course I'm going to sign up. Uh, do you have a link for me? Do you want me to write you a check? Can I PayPal you? Versus my client having to go out and try and hustle their friends. See, what we did is we used the online strategy to flip the offline strategy to make the number. 
Right. Would you call that a success? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and they say that somebody has to see something seven times before they buy it. I think that's the number they say. So what you're saying about, you know, having you know, probably most successful is the people on your email list when you have a launch and the people who have been seeing your content and know that you're great and that you have something great to offer are the ones who are going to buy it um, rather than trying to bring cold traffic in. So, for example, a launch, um, you know, that may happen over seven days that they open the cart and whatever, however, that you know, the Jeff Walker style, he probably spent months, they spend months before that building up the following and building up the engagement with people so that when it comes time to actually launch it, they're ready to buy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's your, that's your pre-launch, that's your being persistently consistent with your website conversion conversation that leads to sales. Right. Yeah, and in your and in your twenty one years and your year and a half or two years in business or how long have you been in business? Am I about right? Two years? Yeah, it's almost two years. I was pretty close. Between a year and a half and two years. I was ballpark. Uh yeah. you've uh, probably yeah. been planting a lot of seeds. I imagine that not every single person you've spoken with has been ready to act immediately. I bet you have some not nows and check with me in six months and let's see where they are in a year is on your radar screen that you're going to convert into something. Absolutely. Gone, done a lot of hot to do that. Yeah. I mean, the power of following up is so important. Um, you know, a lot of my business is one-on-one clients. So I have not actually had, for my business, a huge launch. My other online business with my husband, we have had a big launch. But that, you know, the reaching mass of people. So that's why it's different for everyone. But you know, I track every strategy call, clarity call that I have to follow up even if it's four months from now. Um, that's extremely important. Right. Let me uh, let me uh, just ask one more question here in the time we have left because I want to give the floor to you to, and to, to you in the end. Uh, this is a question that was actually submitted to me by a couple people who tuned into Business Creators Radio Show who saw you in the lineup and wanted me to ask you this question is the big thing mm-hmm. we see out there is, you know, you know, growing a big business with a tiny list, things like that. You know, we've kind of covered that a little bit here mm-hmm. indirectly. But getting started with a list when you have no subscribers, uh, if uh, I have no subscribers and I want to build a list, what are two or three things that I can get started on today? Get me a list. Well, you need to figure out something that you can offer somebody in exchange for their email address. That's valuable. Of um, I think there. You know, so so that's that would be the first step, coming up with that. And then you're not really, you know, you can get some people to sign up for your list organically, and that's fine. But probably to really get the growth that you want, you should invest in, in Facebook or Instagram ads um, to that offer. So if you don't have a list, you know, do that. I think the only thing that I recommend to people is, is have a strategy in place of what will happen once they come on your list. Make sure that there is something in place that you can try and turn them into a client or a customer um, for you. Otherwise, if you're putting money into Facebook ads or to grow your list, then it's kind of wasted if you don't have that strategy of like, okay, what's next? Um, so I think coming, making sure value. Value is huge um, when you have something that you want somebody to opt in for. It's probably one of the first times that they will be introduced to you and your brand. So it's a really great, you know, it's their first impression of you. And then make sure that that, that offer um, is in alignment with what your your sales offer is as well. So right. make sure that you're attracting people to that opt-in 
that will ultimately buy from you. And there's no disconnect there. I see a disconnect a lot of, of in between that. So you really want to kind of work backwards. Like, okay, here's my offer. Here's what I, where I want to go in my business. And so now I'm going to build my list by offering them this and eventually funnel them into this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and that, and that, that's a pretty good roadmap right there for people to consider because it, it can be daunting. Mm-hmm. You have no list. So how do you get started? You need a list to promote things and to, and to promote things, you got to build a list. I mean, it's, I, I might've said the same thing twice, but you get the idea that there's kind of a right. catch 22 yin and well, yang Well, Facebook ads thing. are great. Oh, they are? Yeah. Facebook ads are a pretty inexpensive way to try and get more people to see your thing. Yeah. Do they actually? That would be my, you know, I think you're going to have to at some point put some money into growing your business and growing yeah. your list if you have none. Um, so Facebook ads are a great way to go. Um, you can do you can do a lot with like just to get started with not too much money. If you have a good opt-in and you're able to get it to convert, um, obviously there's many factors to that: the opt-in page, the actual offer, the audience. But look, if you want to go and learn those, I mean that's what I did. I listened to podcasts. I I took courses. I learned Facebook ads. Um, back of my hand, I know them. You know, I do them all day for clients, and and I would highly recommend those for people um, if you don't have much of a following. And then if you have a website, you know, make that opt-in and that ability to sign up and get their information very clear on your website, you know, that you have that call to action. I mean, if you get traffic there, at least you'll be capturing their information that way. Right. Very true. So we're right here at the top of the hour. And first of all, Emily, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, as we close up here in the last two minutes, I wanted to give you the floor for just 30 seconds and tell our listeners, uh, uh, you know, what you have for them and uh, what steps they can take if they want to discover more. Yeah, so um, you can go to emilyhirsch.com, and that's H-I-R-S-H. A lot of yeah. people try to put a C in there. But um, right on my, the front of my website, you will have, you will see I have um, an opt-in and a, a five-step to the perfect sales funnel that you can go and download. And I, I put a lot of time into that um, and it's a really extensive guide for putting together your first sales funnel or looking at it and maybe looking at strategies that you could use to change if you have an existing sales funnel. Right. Right. Very good. So, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out for myself. Uh, so, once again, Emily Hirsch of EmilyHirsch.com, who I imagine we're going to be hearing so much more from in the years to come. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And check us out on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.